word tonight. Amen. Well, let's go ahead and pray. Father, we honor you. We, we put you first place. We put the word first place. We put the spirit of God first place. Lord, we, have, we want to have our priorities in order tonight. Father, we thank you for ministering in this place, speaking what you want to say, how you want to say it. And Lord, we thank you for, for accomplishing everything that, that you desire to be accomplished tonight. We will not quench the spirit. We will not grieve the spirit. We will only cooperate with the spirit tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Well, I want to go ahead and uh, minister something to you that uh, I believe is very appropriate to the times, just in case you might have forgotten this or, or need to be reminded of it. Let me tell you that Jesus is coming the second time. He is returning. He is coming back. And we are commanded in scripture to to be prepared for the coming of the Lord, but we're also told how to prepare. Hey, and uh, uh, it's preparation, not just for the coming of the Lord, but you might look at it like this, that it's preparation for the day when we will stand before him and give an account. So I want to go ahead and dig into that tonight. My title is very simple. It's called Get Ready. Get Ready. And uh, I just believe it's a very important uh, thrust of the Spirit of God in this day. Because uh, it is not the will of God for us to be unprepared or to even not know what to expect. The Lord has laid out things in the word that help us to know clearly what to expect as far as when we stand before him. What's he going to be looking for? What's going to matter to him? And so we're going to be doing that uh, tonight. We're going to be looking at that in the word. And also, in a sense, going through a checklist. As though God left you a checklist of things that are either connected to his coming or directly connected to us standing before him. And so we're going to look through the checklist. But the best part of the checklist is not that I don't get the impression that tonight is just going to be a list of do this and do that, do this and do that. The best part of the checklist is the fact that God Almighty is committed to helping you do these very things that he's asking you to do. And then besides that, is that uh, he is actually the one who is in you and empowering you and enabling you to do the things that need to be done so that you are in optimum shape for the day when you stand before him. Hallelujah. Are you ready for some of this? Well, first of all, Pastor just wrapped up the series he was doing on uh, the faith of Abraham. And I want to take a look at something that, that uh, is just a kind of a good springboard. It'll connect us with Abraham and then connect us with where we're going tonight. This is Hebrews 11.10 out of the New Living 
translation, it says Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. And something about that term, confidently looking forward. Now, why do I say that? Why do I bring that up? Because in the context of looking forward, some people are looking forward to that day with confidence. Some people are looking to that, looking forward to that day, but lacking a whole lot of confidence. Shaking in their boots when they think about having to stand before the Lord and give an account. Now, having a good, healthy dose of the fear of God is not a bad thing. As a matter of fact, the scripture very clearly teaches the fear of the Lord. However, we should not uh, uh, have an approach towards standing before the Lord as though it's something that we, we dread. God wants us to be able to stand before him with confidence. If he didn't want us to stand before him with confidence there, why would he have already made a way for us to stand before him in confidence here and now? He was the very one who had the idea to give us the invitation. Come boldly before the throne of grace that you may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. So thank God right here and right now, there's scriptures that show that God wants us to come into his presence, stand confidently in his presence, that we would have boldness right now. The Bible talks about the righteous being as bold as a lion. The Bible talks about uh, uh, Peter and, and James and uh, uh, Peter and John, I'm sorry, in the book of Acts, where, where they were speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. And the spirit of God fell on all of the disciples, all the company that was gathered there in the early part of the book of Acts. And it says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak the word of God with boldness. So having boldness and confidence is something God desires for his people. Pastor Mike knows one of my favorites talking about confidence is First John chapter 5, where John said, uh, 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 this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, we know we have the petitions that we desire of him. So confidence and boldness, these are things that God is into. So God is not thinking uh, uh, in terms that, well, if you're confident to be able to stand before him and say, well, uh, look at how cocky they are. We're going to go ahead and cut them down to size. See, if you think that way about God, you're not thinking the right way about your daddy. We need to think about him correctly. Hallelujah. But, but the thing is, is that God knows what he's looking for. And he's told us what he's looking for. And he, he's told us what he emphasizes and the things that are really most directly linked to readiness to stand before him. Hallelujah. And one of those most important things is staying faithful in your church attendance. You say, no way, come on. Absolutely. Did you know this was in the Bible? This is Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25. And it says, not forsaking 
the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more. That means you don't start doing it less. No, you do it more as you see the day approaching. Oh, does somebody see the day approaching? Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. The day's approaching, which means even more so now, so much the more we need to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Hallelujah. You know, uh, uh, another important thing that Jesus dropped on us was to not be ashamed of him. And you know, you're in a world where people would stand up for any cause. I mean, you know, any cause. They'll make up a cause. They'll make up their own holiday. They'll make up their own religion. People don't care, you know, what they look like, how they look. You know, there's such a spirit of what I call in your facedness that's in the world today. Where people will just do what they do, how they do, as brash as they do it. And they have that aspect of in your face about it. And they ain't worried about what you think. They're not worried about you being offended course if somebody offends them oh lord praise them might as well tell the truth tonight but we're told not to be ashamed of jesus mark chapter 8 38 jesus said for whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation of him the son of man also will be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his father with the holy angels I don't want that. I don't want to go ahead and be standing in the Lord's presence and the Lord sees me and he says, oh boy, here he is. I don't want the Lord to have that kind of uh, reaction when he sees me because when I was here on earth that I was trying to hide out, and you know, if I did pray in a restaurant, we will make sure we do a real headache prayer, you know, don't want anybody to think anything. You, you know what? I got to, I got to tell you, and, and I, I've said this to my daughter before. I've said this to, to multiple people before. The greatest day in my life, besides being born again, and besides marrying a wonderful woman, was the day when I just stopped caring what people thought. Woo, freedom. Hallelujah. I'm free, I'm free, I'm free. What a great day when you stop caring about what people think and you make a decision that I am only going to be a God pleaser, not a man pleaser. Now, I'm not trying to purposefully displease men. If I can please men, I'll be glad to do it. But I, I got restrictions, I got boundaries here. I'm going to please the Lord first. And if you're all right with that, then we're good. And if you're not all right with that, I'm going to do it anyhow. Kind of like Daniel, who didn't care whether it would cost him his life or cost him his freedom, he was going to go ahead and pray towards Jerusalem every day. And he wasn't doing it on the other side of the shades. No, he opened the shades. He knelt in front of an open window and prayed. Hallelujah. 
So can I inspire somebody in this house tonight to not be ashamed of Jesus? Mm. How about this? Another important thing to get you ready to stand before him is what I call guard against the fake and hold on to the real. Guard against the fake and hold on to the real. You know there's fake stuff out there? You know, uh, you can't believe every spirit. You know, you can't believe everything you see on TV or hear on TV. You know, you can't believe everything you see on the internet or social media or anything like that. I mean, if you're disappointed, I just have to break it to you. You know, uh, you'll be all right. It'll be all right. But, But you just can't believe everything. There is lies out there. There's darkness out there. There are things that aren't just untrue, but are the absolute enemy of the truth out there. Paul said in 1 Timothy 4, starting with verse 1, Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy, and having their own conscience seared, with a hot iron. Imagine uh, people that departed from the faith, which means they were once in the faith. You got to be in the faith to depart from the faith. They would have departed from the faith. They gave heed to deceiving spirits and to doctrines or teachings of demons. And uh, uh, notice here, it says their, their own conscience is seared with a hot iron, which means that the the soft spot, the tenderness, the sensitivity that they once had to the Lord by overriding his voice, by ignoring him over and over and over again, got to the point where that sensitivity is just not there anymore. I mean, it's like somebody who, uh, uh, Brother Hagen would tell the story of a, a gentleman he stayed with at one point in time when he was young, and, and, and this man after so many years of drinking hot coffee, I mean, it'd be bubbling. I mean, it'd be bubbling on the stove. He'd pour it into a mug and just drink it down like it was nothing. And here's this young man with a very, very tender mouth and tender palate looking there, and he's hurting for him. And this man's not feeling a thing. Why? Because he seared the inside of his mouth by drinking hot stuff over and over and over again every day for so many years and now what would burn somebody else he don't even hardly feel a thing because he's seared you don't want to be seared you do not want to be seared more than ever before may we maintain our sensitivity God's talking tonight to somebody may we maintain our sensitivity to the spirit of God maintain a a, a sense of awareness of him and and to to know when he's talking to not override him to not run red lights but when he's giving you a red light you stop at that red light rather than run through and run through and run through when you know you should be stopping at that red light hallelujah Jesus even said in one point in Matthew that uh, false Christs and false prophets would rise up and show great signs and wonders to deceive 
if possible, even the elect. So, I mean, imagine that, that there's a strategy of the enemy to deceive. And the Bible actually talks about lying signs and wonders. So, you see, just because something is supernatural doesn't mean it's God. Now, now with God, you've got the super supernatural. I mean, God's supernatural stuff will trump anything the enemy's got. Just like when, when Moses and Aaron stood before Pharaoh and, and, and that, that rod was uh, thrown down and became a serpent. And so Pharaoh's magicians thought, oh, we can do that too. And they went and did the same thing turn their rods into serpents but God was going to have the last word on that because Moses and Aaron's staff or serpent in this case went and swallowed the other ones and then became a staff again I love that that God saying we had enough of this didn't we I had the last word on that didn't I hallelujah but there is supernatural uh, on the dark side just like there is supernatural on the signs on the side of light, so we cannot be uh, people who are just uh, think, "Oh wow, look look at this that's happening, or look at this that's happening." I mean, for something like that to happen, it has to be God. Always judge fruit, and always judge the the spirit, because I gotta tell you, you know, the, the, the first John chapter four gave you a good spirit test. That, that if a spirit would confess that Jesus has come in the flesh, that's a spirit that's of God. A spirit that does not confess that Jesus has come in the flesh is not of God. It is the spirit of Antichrist. Hallelujah. I know we're hitting a lot of stuff tonight, but boy, this is good. I'll tell you, this is good. This is like, you know, the checkup. All right, we, we're going to go ahead and, you know, you see the doctor, you say, we'll check this and we'll check this and check the eyes, check the ears, uh, you know, uh, check, check this system in your body, check this system in your body, make sure everything's working right. Well, God's given you a checklist tonight to be able to have you mac in a maximum way ready for his coming. Jesus said, Revelation 3.11, he said, behold, I am coming quickly. Hold fast what you have. And what's this point? It's guarding against the fake and holding on to the real. He said, hold fast what you have that no one may take your crown. So what you got to do is you got to recognize that there's faults out there, there's fakes out there. And there's more out there now than ever. But you don't have to be scared about that. You just got to be aware of that. And you got to resist that. You, you got to, here's the thing. Always remember this, if you want to know the spirit of God from the spirit of error. The more you know the word, the better position you are to know the spirit of God. And the reason why is that the spirit of God wrote the word. He's the author. That's his language. That, 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 that's him. He wrote the book. So you and I as believers have the benefit of having the author <laughs> living on the inside of us, the very author of the book. So therefore, when you know the word 
and, and, and you get familiar with the language of the word and the principles of the word and, and, and the, the essence of what the word is teaching, then, then, then you are getting familiar with the spirit of God because that's the way he thinks. That's the way he speaks. That's, that's his book. He wrote it. So when you know the word, you're in a better position to recognize the voice of the spirit because the voice of the spirit will not go contrary to the word. It only agree with the word because he's not going to disagree with himself. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Now, this is another biggie. An important thing to do in preparation for the Lord's return or in preparation for standing before him is to maintain strong faith. Maintain strong faith. Hebrews chapter 10, we'll start reading with verse 35 there. That says, therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that after you've done the will of God, you may receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he who is coming will come. And will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith. But if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who draw back to perdition, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. Now it's interesting here in this whole body of scripture that he's talking about not casting away your confidence. He's talking about your need of endurance so that after you've done the will of God, you'd receive the promise. And then he goes and puts this right in the middle of it all. For yet a little while, and he who is coming will come and will not tarry. He's letting you know that the Lord is coming and you not casting away your confidence and you uh, uh, keeping your your stance of endurance and you as a just person living by faith and not drawing back is so pivotal to your preparation for the fact that a little while and he's coming and he'll come and will not tarry. Directly connected. Not just here, but another scripture. Luke chapter 18, verse 8. And uh, we'll focus on the second part of the verse that says, I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? So if he's, if the question is whether he'll find it, then that lets you know that he's going to be looking for it. One of the things that Jesus is looking for is... Faith. Will he find faith on the earth when the Son of Man comes? So once again, in relation to his coming, in relation to the time when we're going to stand before him, will he find faith on the earth? First Peter 1 Peter 1.7. Take a look at this as well. That the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found. So once again, 
Will he find faith? And once again, talking about being found, faith being found, that your faith would be found to praise, honor, and glory. When? At the revelation of Jesus Christ. So once again, a direct connection between us having faith, faith being found, not just faith being found, but found in good condition, found to praise, honor, and glory. At what point? At the point in time of the revelation of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Now, this one here, you can camp out for days. Um, if We'll just go with what the Lord directs. If we spend the rest of the night here, it's all right. Uh, if, if we move on, that's all right too. We'll just let him lead us. But, but this is an important thing. Uh, a vital thing to prepare you to stand before him. Walk in love and don't judge. Walk in love and don't judge. Oh, Lord. Well, I wish I had me an organ player right now. I'd really preach this. Walk in love and don't judge. James 5, 9. Check it out. Y- y'all, y'all staying with me here? This is important. This is God's checklist for us. Do not grumble against one another, brethren, lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. Now, that's interesting. The judge is standing at the door. Now, if we think of that in terms of the courtroom, if the judge is standing at the door, that means that the judge is about to come out and, and take his seat with his black robe on. And exercise some some justice. Well, the judge is standing at the door. And because of that, he says, don't grumble against one another, lest you be condemned. In other words, and uh, this is a great statement. I believe this was originated by a man of God named Edwin Lewis Cole, who uh, uh, just had a phenomenal men's ministry. Before there was promise keepers or anything else, Ed Cole was ministering to men and and doing it wonderfully. And he made this statement that we often judge ourselves by our intentions and uh, uh, others by their actions. So we judge others by their actions, but we judge us by our intentions. Well, well, well. But the thing is, is that we, we want to go ahead and judge righteously. We don't want to have one standard for us and another standard for somebody else. So we don't want to be grumbling against one another, lest we be condemned. Because if we're grumbling against somebody else, uh, we're not stopping to think, boy, do, do they have the same thing, the same reason to grumble against me over that? If I'm holding them responsible and if I'm holding them guilty of this thing, can somebody also hold me guilty of the same thing? When you look at how you deal with conflict, it is very important because it is uh, ultimate sowing and reaping. It is ultimate sowing and reaping. You want to always be careful in conflict that you're going ahead, uh, that, that, that you go ahead and, and handle people in such a way as you'd want to be handled yourself. 
that, that you go ahead and extend to people the very same thing that you want extended to you if the shoe was on the other foot. The Bible is very clear about the, the law of sowing and reaping. The, the Bible is very clear about what we call the golden rule. As you would that mother men should do to you, do you even so to them. Very, very important. Let's go ahead and move on and uh, look at another. There, there's very, very clear scripture about the importance of walking in love and not judging as far as preparing us to stand before him. Philippians 4, 5. Philippians 4, verse 5. This is the Amplified Classic. It says, let all men know and perceive and recognize your unselfishness, your considerateness, your forbearing spirit. The Lord is near. He is coming soon. And you look at that and say, well, what does one have to do with the other? Well, what one has to do with the other is the fact that the Lord is near. And the fact that he is coming soon means that what we should do is we should go ahead and, and, and make sure that we're walking in unselfishness and considerateness and having a forbearing spirit. That means that we're patient with people. Why? Because you want to sow the right kind of seed because you want God to be patient with you. It's as simple as that. It is as simple as that. You're treating others in a way that you don't mind getting reflected back to you on the day when you stand before him. Hallelujah. Woo, glory, this is good stuff. You see, some stuff is shout now, some stuff is shout later. You do this, you will shout later, even if you ain't shouting now. You might say ouch now, but if you do it, you'll shout later. Hallelujah. 1 John 4. Oh, this is big, somebody. Oh, Lordy, Lordy, Lordy. Uh, hey, Brian, do you, do you have this? Do you have the contemporary English version back there? If you do, I'd like that. If not, that's no biggie. What I'll do is I'll read it in the New King James first, and then I'll read it uh, out of my notes in the contemporary English version. So we'll, we'll read this first out of the New King James. It says, we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God, and God in him. Verse 17, our love has been perfected among us in this that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. Now I want to give you the wording of this that's in the contemporary English version of the Bible. It says, God is love. Now listen real good. God is love. By the way, this is in the notes that you'll find on the church website, faithccenter.com. So, so you don't have to rush to write it down. This is right there in those notes. God is love. If we keep on loving others, we will stay one in our hearts with God and he will stay one with us. Verse 17. If we truly love others and live as Christ did in this world, we won't be worried about the day of judgment. This is what we're going for here. What we just read in the New King James of, of this was that you would have boldness in the day of judgment. Remember, 
We were talking about that earlier, the idea of confidence and boldness, that if God wants you to have it now, he certainly wants you to have it then. Well, what's, uh, what is God describing here as a very uh, absolute key way for you to have boldness and confidence in the day of judgment? It is to walk in love. If we truly love others and live as Christ did in this world, we won't be worried about the day of judgment. Hallelujah. Now, we could stop right there and make the point. But I want to keep going and show you even more scripture that says the same thing. And the reason why is because when God talks a lot about something, there's a reason that he's talking a lot about it. Because he is looking for that to have a hammering effect that hits you over and over. It gets you from one angle. Hits you from, from, from the angle of something Jesus said. Hits you from the angle of something Paul said. Hits you from the angle of something Peter said. Hits you from the angle of something John said. And, and the, the, the bottom line impact of it all is that you realize, Oh, I think this is important. I better pay attention. All right, 1 Peter 4. So we're talking about walking in love and not judging as a way for you to have confidence and boldness in the day when you stand before him. Hallelujah. Uh, 1 Peter 4, starting with 7, it says, but the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. And above all, oh, Lordy, and above all, so he's given instructions here about what to do and how to be because the end of all things is at hand. He said to be serious and watchful in your prayers. That's what he said in the previous verse. And now he says, and above all. My, my. Above all things, have fervent love for one another. For love will cover a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without grumbling. Remember, we just were reading something about grumbling and there it is again. But he said, above all things, what should you do? Because the end of all things is at hand. You should have fervent love for one another. Because by loving, it's all a package deal. Inside of love is forgiveness when you get judgmental you have stepped out of love you want to know what love is and what it looks like uh we know god is love but what does it look like when it's operating through a person well you've got first corinthians the 13th chapter and especially verse 4 through 8 that so beautifully describes what love looks like when it's in action and i will tell you this if you take 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8 and read it in the Amplified Classic, I'm sure there's other great versions of it too, but the Amplified Classic of that, 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through the beginning of verse 8, woo, that will clean your clock, somebody. <laughs> hey, that'll get you tight right. I remember I, for years until it just wore out, I had this paper in my wallet that I would pull out with frequency and, and what I did it was 
1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8, written out in the Amplified Classic Bible. But what I did is every place where the word love was, I put my name. I put the name Ray there. And I read it just like that. And I said, this is how Ray is. Of course, the best part of all, you get to the part where it says love never fails. And then you say Ray never fails. Whoa, that sounds good to me. Hallelujah. But Ray, ne- Ray never would fail if Ray always stayed in love. But, but, but you see, that's just such a practice of taking something that God says is so vital and God says is so important, not just for this world, but also confidence to stand before him in the world to come. And you take that and run with that and build that into you and take it as seriously as he takes it. Then you're putting yourself in a good position, not just for this time, but for the time ahead. Like the scripture that says, godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. Hallelujah. Man, I'll tell you, that, that'll light your fire when you realize that, 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 that God has set you up with things that aren't just good for now, they're good for later too. Won't just set you up for success now, but they'll set you up for success when you stand before him. Hallelujah. On that great day. Matthew 7, Jesus speaking in the... The Beatitudes, not the having attitudes, the Beatitudes. That's what they're called, all right? Judge not that you be not judged. Verse 2. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. So if you are just ready to throw down on somebody because of of what they did to you that might have been piddly and little. And then you find yourself in a big mess, having made a big mistake, and you're looking for mercy when you didn't sow it. Come on now, Jesus told a parable about that. You know, basically to put it in modern day English and uh, my my money calculation here is not going to be exact, so I'm going to tell you that right up front. But you've got the guy who, who owed 20 bucks. I would know, well, actually, first of all, the guy who owed, let's say, $2 million, getting forgiven of his debt. And then he's going and want to strangle the guy who owes him 20 bucks. Well, the king found out about this, got this guy and said, yeah, if you're going to do that to a guy who owes you 20 bucks after I forgave you the debt of 20 million dollars, you're going back to jail and working for me until my 2 million dollars is paid off. Jesus just put out that parable just as plain and simple as can be. So judge not that you be not judged with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. So therefore, there are things that you can do now that will impact what life is going to be like for you on judgment day. Glory to God. It's true. Now let's go ahead and look at a few more things regarding this. This is very important. It says, therefore, judge 
nothing before the time. No, I'm sorry, let me tell you where I'm at. 1 Corinthians 4, 5. Therefore judge nothing before the time until the Lord comes, who will both bring to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal the counsels of the hearts, then each one's praise will come from God. Judge nothing before the time until the Lord comes and let the Lord bring things to light. The Lord will bring to light the hidden things of darkness. He'll reveal the counsel of hearts. You see, you can judge whether somebody's actions are right. You can look at their actions and say, well, that was a right action or a wrong action. You can judge fruit. You can be, uh, as uh, uh, our founding pastor, Pastor Sam Smith would say, you could be a fruit inspector. You know people by their fruit. You can go ahead and judge whether something is good fruit or bad fruit, whether an action is good, whether it's right or whether it's wrong. But what you cannot judge is the uh, counsels of the hearts. You may look at something and say, I can't believe that they would do that. But the one thing you don't see are the things that only God can see. And you don't want to go ahead and start judging things based on your limited knowledge rather than the knowledge of God who knows it all and sees it all and knows the story behind the story and knows all the hurt that that person who's going around hurting people, God knows how bad they were hurt themselves. Because it's a true statement what Joyce Myers often quoted that hurting people hurt people. So it's very, very important that we don't judge anything before the time, but uh, until the Lord comes and we'll let him do it. We'll let him bring to light the hidden things of darkness and we'll let him reveal the counsels of the hearts rather than you try to read into what somebody's motives are when you can only look on the outside and see the action, see some of the fruit of what's happening, but you don't know the real intentions and motives of the heart. Only God does. Romans 14. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Here we go, Romans 14, verse 10. But why do you judge your brother? Or why do you show contempt for your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Man, it's amazing how this is plastered throughout scripture. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us shall give account of himself to God. Therefore, let us not judge one another anymore, but rather resolve this, not to put a stumbling block or a cause to fall in our brother's way. So he says, why would you judge your brother or show contempt for your brother? Don't you know we're going to stand, that we're, we're all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ? So in other words, the fact that we're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ would be motivation for us to not judge our brother because of the impact that judging our brother is going to have on how we would be judged. And then also later down what we saw in verse 12, it says, so then each of us shall give account of himself to God. Verse 13, therefore, 
Therefore, connecting that other verse, because of the fact that each of us are going to give an account of himself to God, let us not judge one another anymore. Oh, somebody getting a hold of this tonight. Hallelujah. Now, by so doing, you are preparing yourself. Woo, glory to God. You're preparing yourself real good to stand before the Lord. Hallelujah. Now, I got to have, this is significant. This is a, we're going to wrap up with this tonight. We've got, we've got a, a whole lot more, but I've, we'll do one or two more verses here and close up. But, but this is so significant for us to recognize this. James 2. James 2. Verse 12 says, So speak and so do as those who will be judged by the law of liberty. Verse 13. For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Listen real closely. Judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. But what's that last statement say? Mercy triumphs over judgment. So you get judgment without mercy if you showed no mercy. Wow. I want leniency, Lord. Give me leniency. Well, how much leniency have you sown? If you've not shown mercy, you're going to get judgment without mercy. But oh, glory to God, the Bible also says that the flip side of that, the other side of the coin, is that mercy triumphs over judgment. What does that mean? That means that if you have shown mercy and if you've been extending mercy to people and not judging and showing love and kindness, even when naturally speaking, well, what do they deserve that for? And of course, you know what God's going to say to that. You think you got what you deserved when you got mercy and grace for me? But, but when you show mercy... The Bible says that mercy will triumph over judgment, which means that you showing mercy here will mean that when you stand there before him, even something you would have gotten in trouble with God over, something that you would have been, you know, had the light focused on and the light shined on for a particular thing. But but you know what? When you've shown mercy, you're allowing God the opportunity to show mercy to you. Why? Because you did it to others. So you're walking in love and kindness and mercy and forgiveness and not judging others. Sets you up for this day so that when you're standing before him, rather than getting judgment without mercy... You get mercy that actually can cancel out a judgment that you otherwise would have gotten. Woo! Hallelujah! Somebody wants to run around the church tonight over that. Come on. One more verse. You ready for it? All right. I know y'all were up late like me watching the Red Sox last night. Oh, yeah. But here we go. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. This is a prayer that Paul's praying for the church. This is a, a 
Yep. So this is, uh, yeah, this is it. Verse 12. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another and to all, just as we do to you. Why? So that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. So why is he asking God to do verse 12? Go back to verse 12 again. Why is Paul asking God to do verse 12? Make you increase and abound in love to one another and to all? Why is he asking God to do that? Verse 13. So that God may establish our hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Directly related to the coming of the Lord. Directly related to the condition that he wants us in when we stand before him. Now, there's more to the checklist. There's one more other uh, real big thing to the checklist that, that we'll get to at, at another point in time down the road, you know. But uh, if, I, if I can leave you with something tonight, I want you to really understand this, that this is not, as I said in the beginning, and, and because we get into some heavy things, you say, oh boy, am I in trouble. But, but the heart of the matter is that God wants you to know that he is as committed to your success as you should be yourself. That he's committed to your success. And, and the fact that, that, that God is in a position where he's actually inspired prayers by writers of scripture to pray regarding the outcome of things on the day when we stand before him. And there's one verse way at the end of my notes, Brian, that I want you to look at. Way at the very end. And we're going to end with this tonight so you can see God's commitment and the fact that he's not saying, well, you do this, you do this, you do this, and then you're all right. And if you don't do this and this and this, then forget about it. But the fact you're going to see God's commitment to us, God's commitment to us, not just in the sake of saying do this and do that, but the fact that he is working in us and working with us to help us do the very things that we need to be doing. As a matter of fact, you know, the, the fact that you are born again, don't you know you've got the nature of God inside of you? The, that's intentional. God has made you a new creation. Why has he made you a new creation? He, he's made you a new creation so you could have his nature in you so you could act like he acts. So you can do like he does. So you can love like he loves. Because we can't love like he loves on our own. He's smart enough to know that. We know that. He knows that. That's why we're not loving with our love. We're loving with his love. But in order for that to happen, his love had to be put inside of us. How did that happen? Glory to God. The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. And we know that we pass from death to life because we love the brethren. Those scriptures reveal that one of the biggest changes in a man or woman's heart when they're born again is that the love of God is planted in there. And the ability to love people that you thought, oh, wow. And now you're going to love them. 
and you can love them for real. You ain't putting nothing on except you're putting on love. You're not putting love on like a show or an act. You're putting on love like you put on a garment. Hallelujah. Jude, chapter 1, verse 24. And on this we say goodnight. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Now, you say, Lord, help me out here because I know how faultful I am. Full of faults. So I'm faultful. And how on earth are you going to be able to keep me from stumbling and present me faultless before the presence of your glory? And I'm going to be there not with fear and trembling and worrying that, oh boy, what am I going to go ahead and get it now? No, you're going to be there with exceeding joy. You're going to be having a party in the presence of his glory. Having been kept, having been presented. Wow. That shows you how committed he is to this process. All he needs is your cooperation. All he needs is you to say yes. All he needs is to say, all right, Lord, here I am. Now, even if you blew it a minute ago, he said, Lord, here I am. Go ahead, keep working, keep working. I may not have got it yet, but I'm going to get it. Keep working, Lord, keep working. And you keep on presenting yourself to him and keep on presenting yourself to him. Well, the day will come when he will present to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but a church that is holy and without blemish. My goodness, does God have a great plan for your future. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we honor you tonight. We're so excited about the word. Lord, your word is good. Your word is clear. Lord, we see amazing things in your word. And we thank you for the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you and all the things you've revealed and shown to us tonight. Oh, Lord. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's either somebody in the house or somebody watching by live stream. And uh, uh, you, you've been very frightened when you've thought about the, the, the future, when you've thought about standing before him. But I want you to know tonight, and I believe that the Spirit of God is saying to you that that time of being fearful is over. That time of being worried about it is over. And now you're going to go ahead and trust your life and entrust your heart into the one who, who is, is able to keep what you commit to him. And this is going to be a day where you can mark the day on the calendar that the things that have haunted you and the fear of the day that has haunted you will haunt you no more. But you will look to it with great anticipation because you know that this is not up to you and your strength, but it's up to him and his strength. Glory be to God forever. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. God's talking to somebody. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. So tonight, if you, if, 
If you've not even got the first base with the Lord, I'll tell you, he, he wants to not just get you to, to first base. He wants to go ahead and start a wonderful, wonderful road with you for the rest of your life and on into eternity. He wants to know you. He wants you to know him. And if you are either here in this room tonight or watching by live stream and you say, wow, I need to take the first step towards being ready for that day. And I need to go ahead and know that I'm at peace with God. That I've called Jesus my Lord and my Savior. Placed my faith in him as the only begotten son of God. Well, tonight's your night to do that. And if you're here in this room, or if you're watching my live stream, I want you to do that. I want you to pray with me. And don't just mouth words. I want you to go ahead and mean this with all your heart. Mean this with all your heart. Because I got to tell you, there's something that's going to happen tonight inside of you. You're going to become a new creation. Old things will pass away. All things will become new. The way I know that is because I've got God's very own word on it. So let's pray tonight. And uh, go ahead and join in and support those who are praying this for the first time. Father, I believe that Jesus died for me. And that he was buried and that he was raised from the dead. And that he is coming back again. I believe that Jesus is the son of God. Who died for me. And shed his blood for me. So that I can be saved. I believe this. I turn my back. On sin. I turn my back. On living life without him. And I embrace him fully. And I will live for him. And live for him only. All the days of my life. Tonight I receive. Your gift. Of everlasting life. Amen. Praise God. Well if you prayed that. You meant that with all your heart. We want to hear from you. If you're here in the room tonight, please make sure that you stop by and see either Pastor Mike or myself. Pastor Mike, you can wave right where you are. This gentleman right here. Uh, uh, you can see him. You can see me. And those of you watching my live stream, if you pray that for the first time, what we'd like you to do is to call us and let us know. You can reach out to us at 508-336-4110. Office hours Monday through Friday between 8.30 and 4. And if you're, if you're at first a little hesitant about calling, you can even email one of us. The staff pastor's email address is right on the website. We just want you to tell somebody. And if you tell us, we can walk through it with you and we can be there for you and get you some material that will help you to... Uh, Start off your walk with God real strong and keep it strong for the distance. Amen. So we're excited to be able to hear from you. And we're excited to have been in church tonight. Don't forget those of you.